1: Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. And if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever date happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives week 4 post-game coverage of Falcons versus Packers. My goodness, it's dark in here. I'm going to turn on a light in a second. Uh, but, other than that, welcome to the show. I am Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host this evening, Adnan Ikich, to recap what was a thoroughly disappointing and entertaining game if you were a Falcons fan. I'm sure if you're a Packers fan, it was a very relaxed evening, probably enjoyed some cocktails, uh, you know, relaxed as your team just systematically and surgically dissected the Falcons' defense. And despite the score not looking all that bad, the game was never in doubt at any point. Uh, it was pretty much... I mean, that seemed to me honestly like the Packers were kind of toying with them, uh, with the Falcons, at points during this game, uh, because that's how little pressure they were feeling. Uh, but, odd uh, on. How are you doing this evening other than the falcons how are you doing i'm
0: doing okay yeah i mean you know oh who am i kidding it was terrible it was terrible (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it was i actually talked myself into thinking you know what we may do it like this is the perfect falcons game where you know we surprise everyone on the national stage And you know what, uh, I was still talking myself into it, and then I saw the first drive, you know, a couple runs up the middle on first and second down, Um, a a quick three and out Aaron Jones, literally wide open in the corner of the end zone scoring, the easiest touchdown he'll ever get in his entire life. Yeah. And then, you know what, but the thing is, they, they kind of suck you right back into it, because then... You know, you get a goal line stand, you know, and that was that was maybe one of the best moments of the night, that goal line stand on Jamal Williams. And then you have a 20-play drive that goes 11 minutes, and you can only get a field goal out of it, which is unbelievable. Like, I, I can't believe that we only got a field goal out of that. And it was just one of those games where you... You had no hope that the defense would stop them at all. Like not one time when Aaron Rodgers had the ball was I expecting our defense to stop them, but it was only get a few times. Like that third and fourteen, which they converted where Tanyan was wide open for a touchdown. That fourth down and two coming out of a timeout where they had like three players wide open, which was also I think a Tanyan touchdown. That third down and ten where unfortunately KZ ended up getting hurt. It was offsetting penalties. Mm -hmm. And they ended up, you know, just adding insult to injury. And we'll talk about the KZ, uh, what looked to be an Achilles injury. You know, we don't want to speculate on if he'll miss the season or not, but it didn't look good. It was a non-contact injury and offsetting penalties to add insult to injury, they convert, and they end up going downfield and scoring. And the Falcons only lost this game by, like, what? <laughs>
1: 14, technically?
0: Four, yeah, technically 14. It felt like they lost by 40. Yeah. Like, th- they were in it. Like, they were technically in it until the end. When when they were down 14, and they had that fourth down, where uh, it was that great defensive play by Amos. To like bat the ball down, Matt Ryan underthrew it. Matt Ryan didn't have a very good game in this one. Yeah. Like just calling it the way it is, he got a lot of point, a lot of yards in garbage time. He did not look very sharp. Julio Jones had the ham aggravated the hamstring injury. It everything that could go wrong did go wrong in this one, and even though they were technically still there. it it felt like they were just out of it the entire game like it was unbelievable you could tell Aaron Rodgers in this one and I think Lewis Riddick called it he was just having such a great time because they were going up against this inexperienced defense which wasn't audible at all like they could not make any like reads any checks Aaron Rodgers was just making all all the like audibles at the line of scrimmage and he just knew he had them it was like you were it was like you were playing a game of chess against him and you were missing your queen Mm -hmm. and your bishop and your knight and a rook it was just (laughs)
1: like all the pieces basically yeah
0: pretty much and you could see the result from it
1: yeah i mean it was an ugly game basically from the get-go i mean the falcons once again you know, decided they were gonna get the ball first, which is not something that's generally worked out for them, but they tried it anyway. Uh, and of course it didn't work out. They went three and out immediately. Um, then the defense got just pantsed immediately, which that was pretty expected. Um, and like, you might look at this and be like, oh, well they, they only gave up 30 points to the Packers who were scoring, you know, 41 on average, but the Packers scored those points at eight drives, and they could have easily scored way more. They, they took their foot off the gas because they knew they didn't need to do anything else to beat
0: this Falcons team. And The Packers could have scored 55 if they wanted <laughs> to tonight, and yeah. you could tell they were taking it easy. And like my thing well that makes me furious about this defense, and it's not like we would have won this game either way, but let me take you back to when we were down by 11 and when Charles Harris just got that sack to put it on third and 25, and it was near half field. And the defense completely concedes about 10, 15 yards of yardage to make it fourth down, but you give them the field goal. Instead of trying to put some pressure on them and make it so that they score no points on that drive, you just you give them three points. Like, are you kidding me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it... it... The one thing that stood out to me was I just felt like there was just not a cohesive plan. And that that's really been the theme of this team throughout the entire season thus far is that I don't really get what the plan is on defense. And obviously if there was a plan, it probably got thrown off at least in part because they were down, you know, multiple starting safeties and backup safeties like Keanu Neal and Carter Allen were both out going into this game. Then Jalen Hawkins goes out. Then Demonta Casey goes out. I think Casey went out first. So they were starting Jamal Carter and Sherrod Eastman at safety. Um, but do I think that matters? No. I don't think it matters at all. (laughs) And and
0: also, in fairness, the Packers were starting Valdez-Scantling as their wide receiver one. And a bunch of other practice squad wide receivers out there.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, Kendall Sheffield actually was playing well against Valdez-Scantling. So maybe, you know... As as the as a corner who can match up against the opponent's wide receiver three, he's good. Uh, but it's not like it's all that impressive. It's not like he was out there locking up Devontae Adams or something, but that was one part of the defense that was good. The run defense, again, was good. Uh you know, the the run defense has kind of been the one part of the team that has not been terrible consistently. Um, you know, Aaron Jones still averaged four point seven yards per carry, but uh, you know, for the most part they, they prevented the Packers from having a big day on the ground. This is one of the NFL's best rushing offenses. Um, and, you know, they held Aaron Jones under 100 yards uh, in a game where the Packers had an opportunity to kind of pound the rock. And the Falcons really didn't let them do that, which... Yeah. Foy which Foy
0: looked really good.
1: Yeah, like, for, <laughs> Better than Deion Jones? Should we have this discussion? <laughs> Hot <laughs> takes? We, we got to save those takes for, like, when we get into the deep darkness of the yeah, season. The, but
0: the, that's, that's for a June show somewhere yeah, down the line. yeah.
1: <laughs> But man, it was. Uh, I just didn't. I just didn't see anything from this team tonight. Like it seemed, they just felt lifeless. Like Ryan was playing poorly. I mean, the the defense was obviously playing poorly. Like it just felt like this team didn't have a lot of fight. I mean, I think they tried it out. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. When I think both were pretty clearly hobbled. Uh, Ridley to me wasn't like awful. I think he clearly had lost a step because of his ankle injury. Um, and that was part of the reason I think the timing was off with Ryan on some of those deeper throws. But, um, you know, when Alameda Zacchaeus is your best offensive weapon, that's a problem. Um, the offensive line was good until third downs happened, and then they just promptly became terrible. And Matt Ryan got sacked a bunch of times on third down. Um, you know, the Falcons run game, I mean, it was... I guess good by Falcon standards, but it's still three point six yards per carry for Tuck early. I mean, this is not a running game that's striking fear into anyone. Um, you know, it's yeah, it, yeah. I feel
0: like the uh, Russian touchdowns and the second one looked really nice. I feel like that'll like that put some fluff on the run game overall, but the run game was a non factor pretty much. Like a complete non factor other than you know, those two short scores where pretty much the passing game got us down there
1: yeah yeah I mean it it just like and Todd Gurley really, that's where he's good like he's good in those short yard situations he's still savvy he's still strong he has great balance I mean um he's just slow um but you know in the red zone when there's not a lot of space to work with anyway speed isn't necessarily the most important thing um and he's still very very good in those situations so like if the team was you know utilizing all their backs properly we'd probably be see you know Gurley getting all these opportunities and doing a good job and we'd be happy but uh you know they're using these opportunities to run on second and 10 a lot uh which obviously i have a problem with i assume you both have a problem with the two on that note welcome evan uh, birchfield he's at evan birchfield on twitter evan Uh, we were getting into this game a little bit, but, uh, let's, let's get your, your take on it here. Uh, a thoroughly mediocre performance, we think, uh, mediocre maybe being generous, in fact, so.
2: Yeah, um, it was whatever. Um, you know, it's kind of like everybody at the Falcons picked against the Falcons. Um, so nobody was really, I mean, we were optimistic, obviously, hoping as fans they would somehow win or whatever, but it pretty much went according to script um the Packers had no real receivers so they seemed like their best receivers were obviously uh, Robert Tonyan and basically their running backs um Todd Gurley I thought did well um I'm just trying to think of some optimism here it was weird to see Calvin Ridley um get no receptions after having right. 21 receptions in uh the first three games um You know, I kind of feel bad for him because it's like through the first three games, he was on that stage of, oh, is he a wide receiver number one and stuff? Obviously, he's dealing with like an ankle injury and stuff and was questionable for the game. But um, he's on the main stage and, you know, it's not really his fault. I mean, it was a collective team issue, I think. And obviously not having Julio Jones there for a while didn't help him. But, yeah, only five. Uh, targets zero receptions just dropped the goose egg on Monday night football um yeah i don't know it's uh it's it was it wasn't um unexpected or anything so it's kind of hard to be upset over right it's just like we had to stay up till midnight to watch it
1: so. <laughs> yeah that's uh, the most disappointing thing of this whole factor like you know like we're all tired like we're we're tired of watching this product on the field like mhm I mean, you know, we we've all pointed it out, I pointed it out in the tweet about the show, you know, the Falcons haven't been 0-4 since this millennium started. Um, it's been a long time. You know, 0-4 is an embarrassing mark for any team. This is not something that you should take lightly. Like, this is this is a playoff death sentence, almost certainly. I mean, I guess you're you're talking about a few cases out of thousands. Like you're you're you you're not realistically having any hope of making the postseason at this point. Um and after four weeks already having that reality set in for Falcons fans, I mean, it's unacceptable. It's it's a joke. Like, you have a franchise quarterback. You have arguably, you know, the best wide receiver in the NFL. You have great weapons around Matt Ryan. Um, and you have a $16 million a year defensive end in Dante Fowler who's getting outplayed by Charles Harris, who was literally cast out from the Dolphins for a conditional seventh-round pick. And this man is getting outplayed by Charles Harris. Uh
0: uh, here, here's a stat for you. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, you know how important it is to start the season strong. The Atlanta Falcons over the past three seasons in the first quarter of the season are two and ten.
1: Yep, 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 yep. I mean, that, that's uh, that sounds about right. I mean, Dan Quinn has been just god awful uh, in the beginning of the season at least over the past three years. Um, and it's like I, I don't know. Like, I, we've, we've beat this horse to death, and if you guys are tuning in to the show for the first time, you know, you probably want us to say this, but we're all obviously in support of moving on from Dan Quinn. Like, this, this ship has sailed. The ship sailed last year. He should have been gone at the bye last year. No questions asked. Like, you don't start 1-7 with this roster and get to stick around. When you decide you're taking over the defense, and you fire all your coordinators because you're scapegoating them for the problems that are yours, um, and... We, I mean, basically, I, th- I think we know the truth is that Arthur Blake didn't want to fire Dan Quinn. He just didn't want to. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know what would have happened if Dan Quinn had a terrible second half to the season. I think that would have put Blank in a very uncomfortable position because honestly, I, I'm not sure any amount of bad would have actually ended up. I mean, if the Falcons went like 1 in 16 or something, or, you know, 1 in 15, some some crap like that, maybe, but like. People were like, oh, well, the, the 49ers game, it saved Dan Quinn's job. Like, I don't think so. I think Blank was basically willing to bring Quinn back no matter
2: what. And he needed an excuse yes, to do
1: it. That was, you know, convenient. Um, but the writing has been on the wall for Quinn for a long time. He, he's, he's a streaky coach at best. He doesn't make adjustments well. And, I mean, I, we talked about this. Like, if he can't give you a good defense... And he's a defensive coach. And when he becomes the defensive coordinator, the defense is so goddamn bad that he has to remove himself from the job and appoint someone else because it's such an embarrassment. What does he bring you? What does he bring you? Other than slogans and a culture that has resulted now in another... Terrible start to the season. Like the culture is bullshit. Like the culture was never a thing. Yeah, it's gr- you can have a brotherhood real easy when you're crushing the league with the league's best offense that had ever been seen at the time, and everything's going great. But the culture turned to shit the second anything went wrong, which means that the culture actually was a big fraud from the beginning. So hey, he's
0: pissed off. though.
1: <laughs> he's pissed off. He's been pissed off since 2018.
0: So so have I. Yeah. Um. So let's let's ha- let's have a little um exercise right now Dan Quinn has been at the helm for let's say six this is his sixth season Um, Mike Smith was around for six seasons so take away that one miraculous Super Bowl run where that wasn't even Dan Quinn that was clearly all, all Kyle Shanahan like Kyle Shanahan was clearly the mastermind behind that season what what difference is there between Mike Smith and Dan Quinn
1: What's the difference? Super Bowl. Mike Smith was Super better? Mike Smith was <laughs> yeah. better? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like <laughs> you, you had the only difference between Smith and Quinn is that Mike Smith didn't have the next great head coach as his offensive coordinator carrying his team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like Smith well, had Mike Malarkey and Dirk Cutter as his OCs. That, that's the main difference between them.
2: Playing devil's advocate here, what is the – I mean, obviously, like, you're going to have a hard time finding anybody who agrees with it, but what is the argument for keeping Dan Quinn at this point? Well, uh, because it seems like money. everyone gets it that he should be <laughs> yeah. gone, but, like...
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the yeah. argument would be that there's no chance of turning the season around, so you might as well just let him play it out. Like, you still go through the... Like, you still basically... Oh, what
0: you mean for this season or moving yeah. forward?
2: No, like this. Season. I mean, just get yeah, yeah. like getting rid of him right now. No, yeah, oh, like...
0: oh, oh, I, I can make that argument right now. This team looks so bad. If you want to tank for a better draft pick, you keep Dan Quinn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <So> that's the <laughs> obvious choice. Yeah, that's the galaxy brain take. But yeah, no. I mean, speaking from like an Arthur Blank standpoint, Arthur Blank loves Dan Quinn as a person. Um, I think he would. But that's rather... like the only reason. Yes, he should that's the literally the only reason he hasn't been fired already. Like if Ar- if Arthur Blank hated Quinn's guts, like. Uh, apparently the Texans owners hated Bill O'Brien. Shout out to those guys for doing the right thing, finally. Jesus, it only took you to you know, you're, you let Bill O'Brien run your fanch- franchise player out of the building and trade him for peanuts. But, you know, I guess eventually that's better than, than nothing. Um, I guess we can't really talk because we have Dan Quinn as our head coach. But, um, like, the, the argument would be that there's no chance of turning around the season. Like, firing Dan Quinn isn't going to magically make the team good. So, out of respect for Quinn, Arthur Blank lets him finish out the season. But it's basically just a quiet secret, like like a very loud secret that uh, Dan Quinn is is fired. Like, he's not going to be coming back. Um, And the team basically operates with that assumption. Like, we'll probably see them start trading players. We'll probably see them basically doing their homework on GM and and head coach candidates over the course of the
0: season. And, And the thing is, what I'm afraid of is the same situation as last year where they outright refused to trade Devontae Freeman just because they wanted to save their jobs. And like I said before the season, I don't blame them. You know, you're back to that wall. You have to like, you know, save your job, but Arthur Blank can't let that happen again. He can't put, If if you're planning on moving on from them and you know you are most likely, you can't let them control all player personnel decisions for the rest mm-hmm. of the season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you you have a point there. Um, like, and they have Rich McKay ready to go to take over the GM duties yeah, temporarily. Yeah, I'm down yeah. to
0: make Rich McKay the interim GM for the rest yeah. of the year because Rich McKay isn't going anywhere. He's he's does a good job as the and he's team involved president. with NFL stuff too. Yeah, yeah. What, he's on like the rules committee, the competition committee. Yeah, like yeah. Rich McKay, he he's done a good job uh, with the back-end stuff. Like. Mm. He's not gonna be the long term GM, but you can he can be the GM throughout the rest of this season. Yeah. To see it out.
1: Yeah, and they'll probably hold on to the scouting staff for this cycle just because it's kind of too late to like create a whole new scouting staff for this coming draft. Um, but they'll you know the new GM will come in and be able to obviously put their imprint on everything, but that's one thing that I think a lot of fans don't really get is that like the scouting is happening now. Like you can't get a new scouting staff in March. And have them prepared for the draft in like two weeks. Like it's just not gonna it's not gonna work. So the scouting staff's probably in place, um, but yeah, I mean, Rich McKay would probably take over that and then kind of hand it off to whoever the new person is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't I honestly don't think you need to hold on to Dan Quinn. I think I think Blank probably needs to send the message. Like the, at this point, firing Quinn is purely symbolic. Like like we said, there's not really any chance of this affecting the season in a meaningful way because the season's over like i'm sorry if anyone in here thinks that the falcons have a chance they don't like the season is over at own four like the, mm. we're already we're like it's draft take season okay even
2: yeah. with the extra yeah. spot in the playoffs yeah. it's it yeah. done
0: no, yeah football season is over draft season has yeah. just begun today. draft season is just to, beginning
2: yeah. <laughs> the thing to watch is um last week ian rapaport did um he said that the main thing to watch is the next two games which obviously was tonight and then Against Carolina Panthers, that that's when they would make the move. Which I'm not sure where he obviously got that from, but you know Carolina is going to be tough. You saw how they beat the, um, the Arizona Cardinals uh, this past weekend, um, but that's probably where the move happens if it's going to happen anytime soon. Because I don't think a 30, you know, to 16 loss against Green Bay is going to just do it. I think it would have had to been like another 26 to 10 blown you know lead or something totally out of the realm like 40 to 7 or something but um i don't think there's anything going to happen tomorrow i think they're still going to give him till like probably the next game or two
1: pro yeah i mean there's something to be said about the short week too like you know firing him now like maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense from like a game planning perspective because they have to just immediately start prepping for you know a sunday game it's a short week um but yeah i mean if he loses to the panthers and he's not fired after that game i i, I would be pretty surprised at that point um just like oh and five like i don't even know when the last time they went 0 and
0: five was. The, the panthers look pretty good mm-hmm. yeah, they're well, they played, they the the yeah they're probably and, going to
2: lose the to the cardinals good yeah they're probably going to lose the thing is The schedule's not getting easier. Like, when you look at the rest of the schedule, and I don't know if you guys have done that since a loss, but I'm trying to think of, like, realistically where their next win could come against. And, you know, they have Carolina obviously twice, but, like, at Minnesota, Minnesota looked really good against Houston, especially if they just run the ball the entire time. Um, Denver's probably, like, you know, their realistic chance of a W um because all of a sudden like the chargers in week 14 that's gonna be you know herbert looked great yeah. still got to play the saints twice the bucks twice the chiefs
0: Oh, the chiefs
2: yeah <laughs> oh. i mean that that stretch that from mm. after the bye week at saints playing uh the raiders then the saints again then the chargers then tampa then the chiefs and tampa again like that's yeah you know that's where you get buried one yeah
0: Oh yeah. my God! If Dan Quinn is still the coach, when we play Patrick Mahomes,
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll be surprised to say the least if he's still the head coach at that point. But um, yeah, they I'm,
2: probably win it just because they'd end up benching Mahomes because it's so close to the Right? Yeah, they'll be like, like, oh yeah, we don't need this or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we don't need this one. <laughs>
0: God, e- e- even in the game where the Chiefs were like off tonight, they still won by sixteen.
2: Yeah, yeah, must be nice. Well, it's fu- like I bet the Chiefs I are mean, like, giving up. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh. oh no, I was just going to say we're giving up 30 plus a game. Like yeah. I can only imagine what an offense like the Chiefs, you know, nothing against the Packers, but they were missing obviously people. Yeah. Um in Dallas put up 40. Seattle, you know, two of the better offenses in the NFL right now. Seattle put up close to 40. Dallas put up exactly 40 though so the Chiefs would be certainly interesting.
0: No, the Chiefs are fully healthy. The Chiefs are better off than all of those. Mm-hmm. Like, they're on That's a That's complete... what I mean. Like, they
2: probably put yeah. up 50 if they really wanted yeah, to. They're on easy. a
0: completely different level. Like, you saw it with that Ravens game. The Ravens may legitimately be the second-best team in the NFL, and the Chiefs just owned mm-hmm. them last Monday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, like, we i don't really know what else to say about this game like i don't really have any other game related takes it's more like talking about the future of the team which i think people are probably more interested in anyway like i mean the game was really bad but it was what we it was what i expected like the the team to basically look lifeless like they're just going through the motions like dan quinn was a dead man walking probably going into this game um i don't think the players have a lot of confidence in him to 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 fix anything you know matt ryan like, he's just out there now playing for an 0-4 team. Like, there's there's just no excuse for being 0-4 with a franchise quarterback like Matt Ryan at the helm. Like, it, you have to be really, really stupid and really bad to allow that to happen. Um, like, even when this team was bad, like, in some years in two in the 2000s, even in the Bobby Petrino year, they didn't go 0-4. Like, Keenan was telling us about it. They, they, they stole that game from someone in Week 4. Uh, to, to get to one and three and you know the Dan Quinn Falcons you know managed to be worse than the Bobby Petrino Falcons in that facet so um, it just I, I don't really know what redeeming quality like I don't know why you would keep Dan Quinn around I, I feel like if you keep him past next like past next week because I think we've recognized that with a short week here because of the Monday night game it might make you know business sense and and strategic sense to just keep him for one more week and then let him go regardless next week but um yeah i i don't like what the message is if you don't fire him soon um because then you're like oh well it's fine like if you're the falcons head coach you can just be really really bad but we'll let you finish out the season because we're a classy organization
0: And (laughs) and and the thing is it's frustrating because you obviously should have fired him last season yeah and because you didn't, this is a lost year. Like, mm-hmm. this is a fully a lost season because you didn't fire him and Thomas Dimitrov last season. And it's hard to even feel bad for the players because the players were the, are the reason, one of the main reasons why Dan Quinn is still here. Julio Jones went to bad for him, uh, famously. Like, all of the players stepped up and told Arthur Blank how much they love Dan Quinn. Well there you go like uh here uh, i'm sure you you love going on for too. then <laughs>
1: i mean yeah i like that's the thing though if if you have to like depend on the players like going to bat for you to save your job you probably should be fired like we like we've got players coming out in press conferences now two weeks in a row being like oh it's not dan quinn's fault it's our fault like no it's not like come on like, you don't have to lie to, to, the, to the fans to try to protect Dan Quinn. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's really Dan Quinn's fault. And it's obvious to the entire world that it's Dan Quinn's fault. Like, And, like, Julio and these guys are, like, just true consummate professionals. They will, like, never throw him under the bus. But, like, the fact that they have to go to bat for their coach... After an 0-4 start, and they—they're the ones that have to do this, and Arthur Blank is forcing them to do this by not firing Dan Quinn. Is, is part of of the embarrassment of this whole situation? Like you—you you can't, you can't abide this. Uh, like you're gonna go, you're gonna have an empty stadium. This weekend, I guarantee it. No one's going to watch this disastrous team play. Like no one's paying money to see this joke of a team. So you're gonna have a completely. they like they honestly like I don't even understand why they said they wanted to have fans because it's just gonna be an embarrassment. Like they they could have used they could have done the smart responsible thing. In general, which would have been to just say, actually, we're just not going to have fans out of an abundance of caution. And that would have given them the perfect cover to have an empty stadium because they're going to have an empty stadium either way. So, like, it just now they well, just look like see, assholes. By saying
2: <laughs> we're, we're doing limited um, limited capacity, if they have like 100 people who show up for some reason want to spend their money on that team, um, they can say, well, it was limited to 100. Yeah.
1: Instead of uh, oh yeah oh yeah no uh, it
2: was how many people were there yeah that's how many tickets we gave out yeah we got one hundred percent two hundred forty five yeah that's the yeah. number we
0: came up with. so wh- who's risking COVID to go watch this team it
2: ain't me it ain't
1: gonna be me because they wouldn't credential us anyway but you know <laughs> but if they did but if they did I still wouldn't go just to just to you know or if I did go I'd probably go and say something like really mean you know in the press conference and then definitely wouldn't get invited back but. <laughs> like hey know, you're a <laughs> yeah, excuse yeah. me I'm
2: Kevin Knight with the Falcolic yes, um, uh, why, why are you still here
1: <laughs> yeah could, can you uh, explain to us why you're still the coach of the Atlanta Falcons? like what exactly do you do here <laughs> and then no, I just we, we, get escorted out yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't have to worry about the credentials after that, <laughs> after <laughs> that fiasco
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah, no, let's not do that. Let's try not to just burn all of our bridges by asking a question that I don't really expect them to answer, but,
0: uh, no, imagine if you did answer it. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) How do you want me to answer that? I guess I don't want you to answer it. but yeah, (laughs) it just felt good to ask it really. That's, that's all I was trying to do, but, um, yeah, I just,
2: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: it's it's really demoralizing for us who have to like now find content. Like, my my content has been firequimp like the past three weeks, so like I'm running out of like creative ways to frame that that argument um because they've been so damn bad like there's not even any back and forth it's not like okay we've got a couple days of fire quinn and now it's like oh but there's still this hope it's like no they're eliminated so now you're gonna make me start scouting players now so that i have draft takes ready to go because you guys just expect draft takes i guess now it's getting earlier and earlier every year now so now i have to have draft takes ready by like october 10th you know ready to go uh (laughs) there's only
2: five games until the bye week, so we don't get like a nice little break of oh, let's just enjoy. I mean, it was nice this weekend to just watch the rest of the NFL and yeah. know oh, we don't have a game today to worry about. Um, it, it, so now we got five three, more games.
0: Yeah, it's been three straight years of this.
2: It has been three straight yeah. years of this. It feels very familiar. That's the
1: thing. It's 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 almost comforting in like a really terrible way um, that this team is just consistently shitty in the first like part of the season and then they like have this mid-season rally and then late season rally and then it's like okay well you know they finished strong and maybe this time it'll be different and then like it's like groundhog day you just keep waking up and it's still the same shitty team starting the year uh, and it's, they still, they finish strong, and then it's like, Ar- Arthur Blank's like, well, you know, maybe this time, you know, continuity is good. Like, continuity is only good if, if the team is good. Like, if the team sucks ass, <laughs> the continuity is also going to suck ass. Like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Sometimes it's good to, to start over. It's okay. It's okay to do that sometimes. The grass is sometimes greener on the other side. Not all the time, but sometimes it, it definitely is, but... I mean, patience is a virtue, uh, but, yeah. I mean, honestly, I guess where I go with it, and I tweeted this out, too, was, like, Arthur Blank really stuck his neck out for Dan Quinn this year. And, like, he did it to, to some extent after 2018, but, honestly, like, I wasn't really calling for Quinn's head after 2018 because of the injuries. But after 2019, I was calling for Quinn's head at the mid-season point because the injuries weren't there, and it was just a really bad team. And Arthur Blink stuck his neck out for Dan Quinn and said, like, okay, this is a very unpopular decision. Like, the fan base is not going to be happy. They're going to have really high expectations, and if Quinn sucks, it's going to be a total shitstorm to start the season. So Dan Quinn, you better not screw this up. You better like go out there and start strong and show show me that I was right. And Quinn is just shot Arthur Blank right in the back, like stabbed him right in the back, right between the ribs, man. Like twisted the knife, like now they're 0-4. Arthur Blank's getting subtweeted like probably a million times a day about this. Um, I'm sure he never even checks his Twitter if he has one, but you know, if he did, it would just be like infinite notifications, people complaining. Um, And now the Falcons are 0-4 because of his decision. So I I do think that a normally conservative Arthur Blank is probably a little bit more trigger happy this year because he's now been burned. Like, we were burned, obviously, by this because we're fans, but Arthur Blank was burned in more ways than one. Like, he was burned... He's probably feels betrayed by, by Dan Quinn and how poorly his season started after he put all this faith in him. Financially, he probably feels burned because this team is not going to be pulling in much revenue. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and, like, publicly, like, in a, from a PR perspective, it's been a total bust. Like, the Falcons, you know... You know, shout out to AtlantaFalcons.com, you know, really hyping up, you know, the continuity and the return of Dan Quinn and how this roster was good enough and all this. And then Dan Quinn promptly, like, flubs it to an 0-4 start. So, it's like, you invested all this time trying to convince everything and everyone that that this this team was going to be good and it all they needed was just another shot. And then it blows up right in your face. So, I, I do think Arthur Blank might be a little bit more trigger happy because he feels, like, personally slighted by this uh, in some way. Like, he has been affected in him it this isn't like a, oh okay we had one bad season now we're coming back it's like all right i'm really really gonna go and put my neck out here for you so you better not screw me over and then dan quinn's like hey buddy i got you i got you that time yeah i, I just don't think he's gonna take too kindly to that but I, I don't know what you guys think
0: i mean at this point prove it like <laughs> right. we've seen nothing so far like dan quinn every single week is still the GM, or is still the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And I feel like that's a slot to the fan base. Every single week that is a different slot to the fan base that he continues to be the head coach of this team. Like it's clearly well, well overdue for this team to be moving on to someone else. Like everyone knows that dan quinn is not going to be here long term he better not be here long term like yeah i don't know how how many more of these seasons we can take
1: yeah yeah well, i want to give a shout out to uh randy havens from stranger things who uh has been watching the show tonight uh so shout out to havens he's a big falcons fan mm. um yeah he said that the depression in this episode is thick and I agree <laughs> it is very thick we're very tired we're very tired of having to, to do this but we do it for you guys because we love you guys so shout out to Randy Haven Stranger Things great character uh, great actor and uh, apparently a great Falcons fan too because he likes the show so that's instant instant likes from us um, but uh, yeah everyone in the chat I know you guys are frustrated I've tried to kind of Uh, Keep up with the chat. It's very active tonight. So I do appreciate that aspect of it Uh, We're gonna continue talking here for a little bit longer Uh, In the meantime though, if you guys don't mind throwing a like at the video that helps other folks on YouTube find the channel Helps with their weird algorithms and stuff Uh, So we appreciate that and then if you're not already subscribed to the channel We do a show on Wednesday nights as well at 8 10 p.m. Eastern time That's weekly uh, and that shows a lot of fun too uh, a little bit of a different flavor. Uh, it's been somehow a little bit less depressing because we have some more distance from the game, but still a lot of good analysis there. Um, and uh, that that's a good opportunity to, if you've got questions to get those questions in as well. So we appreciate that, folks. Thank you very much. All right. So I've waxed poetic about you know how down I am about Arthur Blank and this team as a whole. I'd like to give you guys some opportunities to do that as well. But um, I guess like let's talk about. The few, Like, let's talk about this season. Like, I, I clearly think the season's over. I think you guys do, too. But I do want to give you an opportunity to kind of speak for yourselves here. So, Evan, um, you know, what is your thought about the rest of the season? Knowing what we know after this 0-4 four, four start, what do you project going forward for the Falcons in 2020?
2: Um, I mean, best case scenario at this point, looking ahead, is like five wins. Um, I mean, they're through four games with no win. Uh, why should we think they're going to all of a sudden, you know, beat all these other teams? Like Carolina was like the easy opponent in their 2-2 two and two, um, and looked, you know, pretty damn good against Arizona. So who, who was supposed to beat them? So, like, why why should we feel confident going into the Carolina game? We're giving up 30 points per game already. Um, I'm just, I mean, at this point, it's like they can't hurt me because I've emotionally checked out of this season. <laughs> Um, obviously, I'm a fan for life, so I want them to win. But like, I'm not going to let them ruin my day because they're just going to keep doing the same shit over and over and over. Um, it, it's nothing's changed, as Adnan said. It's something that just keeps on happening. Nothing's changing, um, you know. And, and on top of that, we now have an insanely tough schedule um, going forward. I just I don't know. It's and the injuries season. Yeah. the injuries yeah. are getting kind of ridiculous too. So, yeah, I mean, and that's just like another scapegoat that they could possibly use, um, which I hope they don't, but, uh, <laughs> they were bad before you know. the injuries this time. Yeah. So. I mean, but like, it, it's just, you know, it, it, there is a lot of question marks still, I think going forward, um, you know, people being critical rhyme, but the defense just didn't step up in moments where it needed to. And that's something that's been all year. Um, I don't know, I, I try and look at like the bright side if you wanna say of certain stuff. Like Foy looked Foy Lucon looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, he looked yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. He's been really good this yeah, year. He's
2: been yeah, awesome. I mean like trying to think long term because we're obviously going to get a new coach. Um and when oh, we, we do better. yeah, a new coach in GM. Um the roster isn't gonna be completely flipped. So like a lot of these guys will be on the roster still for a while. Um, Foy, I hope, is one of them because he's continuing to grow and look good. Deion Jones continues to be good. Um, I thought Hawkins played well in certain t- uh, aspects tonight. Um, but then there's guys like Dante Fowler where he's just completely dropped the ball. And it wasn't a popular opinion, but I remember mentioning like when the signing happened, I was opposed to it because I thought he was kind of benefiting off the whole Aaron Donald effect where – his seasons weren't great until he played with Aaron Donald, then his season blew up and basically got him paid. Um, and I kind of think that's what we're seeing. Um, like, Tech McKinley hasn't played in, what, two straight games, and he's still a better edge rusher than Fowler's been these last two. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of burnt out on this team. Secondary is <laughs> yeah. just abysmal between injuries and, you know, shit, the ones that do end up playing, they suck anyway. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just... Yeah. But at the same time with the world being the way it is right now, <laughs> um it's hard to be upset because, you know, like I've said in your past shows, like months ago I was begging for Falcons football and now we have it. So at least we have something to be critical about, you know, that's not completely life-threatening. Um maybe just for our mental health, but Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll see what happens going forward, but I mean, I'm not optimistic at all right um because yeah, yeah. there's nothing to be optimistic about nothing has changed if anything everything's gotten worse um <laughs> yeah. you know calvin ridley not having a freaking catch tonight yeah, blew weird. my mind like i would have projected at least like five or six catches for him but yeah only five targets i don't know it's weird
0: three on the first two drives
2: yeah and a couple of them were like uncatchable so i'm not i guess you can call them targets but it's like they weren't, it wasn't like he just dropped a pass. Um, the one in the end zone was towards the end there. Um, I don't think was completely him. It looked like the timing was off with Ryan, but I think he was pressured. So he like made a weird throw, but Ridley was there on time. It's just he had to reach back sort of to get the ball. And um, I forgot who the Green Bay defender was, but he just basically knocked it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult uh, spot. Yeah. Go, go and, ahead. And
0: on. Yeah. I feel like it may be it's a conversation that isn't fun to have and isn't comfortable to have. But is Julio starting to really break down at this point? Like, is this the beginning of the end for him? Because we've seen him constantly come back, you know, play through all those injuries, maybe misses one game a year. Mm -hmm. But, like, this hamstring injury is really, like, this is the second time he's aggravated it in as many games. he'll be out at least two or three more games. Probably. So he's he's on the wrong side of 30 as well. So, I mean, I I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, Julio, like, I hope it's not the beginning of the end. But it's a conversation definitely worth having.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not overly concerned about Julio at this point. I feel like if this team was good and they were in contention, this is the type of game that julio would have tried to get out like he would have tried to play but like if i'm julio i'm not freaking going back in there with a hurt hamstring like i'm not playing the second half of that game that that was it was an embarrassment like i'm not risking my body to go out there and try to save dan quinn's job like i mean like i i personally like julio will never say anything publicly but the death stare he gave ben Kotwica in week two after that flubbed onside kick like i i personally think he's he's had enough of this coaching staff. And um, if I was him, I would have sat out of that second half as well. Like this, this team is not worth risking your health for uh, like you're your own three going into this game, which already meant it was a, a very long shot to make the playoffs. You're getting blown out in the first half by the Packers. Uh, the defense has done not a damn thing. Uh, it's been a total disaster. Like it, so, to me, I think that's, like, if this was a normal situation, like the Falcons were competitive, I th- I think we would have seen Julio come out after halftime. Um, yeah. but, but, like
0: I said, I yeah. Julio may be over this coaching stuff, but I I don't feel bad for him, just because he was one of the loudest voices to keep Dan Quinn last season. He was definitely the most high-profiled one publicly, calling for uh, Quinn's safety and uh, for Quinn's job security. So... Uh, I I don't I don't feel bad for him that he's going through this losing season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's rough. Like you have to feel like I, this is what like and honestly, like players don't pick their own coaches for a reason. <laughs> because players, to be honest, it's not necessarily their strong suit to pick their own coaches. Like it, it brings in a whole lot of things into question. Like players probably like the guy that's been there. Like I'm sure Julio and a lot of people have great relationship with Dan Quinn. Julio has been paid repeatedly by this team. So he'll say whatever he probably wants to, because he's, you know, probably has a high opinion of a lot of people on this coaching staff. But when you're too close to things, and we've seen this with Arthur Blank too, with this relationship, you're too personally close. You can't make an impartial decision, like a, a, a decision that you probably need to take a step back from and make. It's hard to make. Um, so, for the players that work with Dan Quinn every single day, like, it's not fair to ask them to, you know, rally, to 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 to, want to, to call out their coach and, like, want to fire him. Like, maybe they privately want to do it, but, like, I just don't expect the players to do that. Um, now, at the same time, Julio doesn't have to, like, go out there and defend him so publicly like what you're saying, Adan. But, um, yeah, it's just a rough situation. Like, I, I, I really don't appreciate... Them making the players go out and make those kinds of statements in the first place, I think that's not fair to the players. Um, But
2: plus, if you fire Dan Quinn, Dirk's probably still going to be there, so it's (laughs) going to just make it better. Well, yeah, I
1: mean, nothing's going to be better if you fire
2: like it'll make me feel better. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, that's at this point, that's all we're all just asking for. Yeah, some sort of optimism, I guess. Yeah,
1: just any any sort of change would be nice. But uh, Anand, do you have? What's your season-long projection at this point after watching this just total disaster of a first quarter?
0: Does it make me a bad fan to hope that we go three and thirteen or four and twelve? Lock up that yeah. first pick. Yeah, to, to <laughs> hope that we like don't ruin our draft status for this third year in a row because of some meaningless wins down the stretch. Because, I mean, what what what, what did winning the three games in a row in 2018 and four games in a row in 2019 get us. It got us Uh-oh. Dan Quinn again. Yeah. It got us Dan <laughs> Quinn again. It got us more job security for Dimitrov. It got us another year of Dirk Cutter. And it got us uh, worse draft status, like a worse draft pick two years in a row. So yeah. uh, I'm over it. Like at, at this point, if you're, <laughs> if you're in, go all in at this point. I'm not saying go winless. Uh, Right. We're never, no, no, yeah. never gonna root for the Saints to beat us. You know, I feel like if we go two and fourteen and beat the Saints twice this year, it'll be a successful season. But <laughs> definitely <laughs> like uh, I it, it would be a, a complete disaster if this team ended up seven and nine again or six and ten or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah, I, I I don't think they're gonna be good enough to go like seven and nine. Now, they could still go like 6 and 10 or 5 and 11 maybe. Um but yeah, I I really don't see 7 and 9, but I said that last year too and they pulled that off by winning that San Francisco 49ers game which cost them eight slots of draft selection. Um so I guess anything it made is us possible. Feel good
2: for a second.
1: I mean, I guess it was fun at the time, <laughs> but yeah, I was no, definitely you, conflicted you, about that game.
0: No, even at the time it wasn't very fun because it almost gave the saints home field advantage too we almost messed around and got them to a super bowl possibly yeah
1: yeah that that's not you know a great situation either so you got to be careful with those but um yeah i just yeah for me it's the same thing like i'm thinking probably like 5 and 11 is probably how this team finishes um i wouldn't necessarily be upset if they just have a really poor showing in the wing like i think they're gonna be competitive more, more so than they've been you know at times this season like you know if we're being honest they probably should be two and two right now if they weren't just so goddamn terrible if they weren't the most
0: mentally fragile sports team i've ever seen in my life and i don't say that (laughs) as a hyperbole no this is the most mentally weak team i've ever seen like in sports ever yeah
1: yeah so like this is a team that's clearly talented enough to win some games. They're not going to go 0-16. This isn't like a Jets-level disaster or anything like that. But um, it's not that far above that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, securing a, a top-five pick for this team is very important, in my opinion, because it's it's all about luring that head coach candidate here. and. Look, I'm just going to be honest. That Texans job is very appealing to someone who's looking for a young quarterback who's already under contract for a team that has some pieces in place and probably is going to get a similar situation as Bill O'Brien where a coach is going to be able to come in, and if they want to, they can be, like, the dictator of the team. The Texans have shown they're comfortable with that arrangement. Maybe they're di- maybe it's different now after the disaster that was Bill O'Brien, but, you know, an arrangement where a head coach gets total control and that sort of thing has Deshaun Watson – um, you know that's an appealing job. Now their cap is a disaster. They have and they have basically no draft capital for at least the next year, maybe two years. So, like those are two big buts. Those are two big buts. So nice. like if the Falcons manage to pull in like a top five pick, you know the, the Falcons cap situation isn't great. Um, but if they get a top five pick in here, that could be something that really puts pushes things into the Falcons favor for a t- for the top candidates. Um, because, and, and if they do get that top five pick and there's, you know, an offensive coordinator in here, and we'll talk about this more this week, you know, in more detail, but, um, it's definitely not out of the possibility that they take a quarterback. Um, and it's, it really doesn't have much to do with Matt Ryan. So people don't, don't mistake this topic for, uh, an indictment of Matt Ryan necessarily. It has more to do with the fact that if you want to lure in a top offensive head coach, which is what you should be doing in this situation, you have to be willing to give them that option. If you say you can't draft a quarterback, you're going to limit your options a lot. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that like Eric Bieniemy is going to want to come in here and draft a quarterback. He might say like, well, we have the fifth pick if it gets to the fifth pick and like Justin Fields is there. Then I want to take Justin Fields. Okay. That doesn't mean that the Falcons are going to be willing to, like, trade everything for Justin Fields or do a whole bunch of stuff. But, like, you need to be able to at least say, okay, you can take a quarterback if you want. Um, But... Plus,
2: it could be a couple years down the line. It doesn't mean it has to be in this draft, even though there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Because he's going to be in a situation, whoever the, you know, offensive-minded walks in, who has, oh, you have... It's not like, oh, you have Brian Hoyer or something. Like, you have Matt Ryan... Who can carry you for a couple more years, you know, or longer, depending on what you think? But, um, you know, you're walking into a situation where you still have a good quarterback um, who can, you know, next year you like that quarterback group better or whatever, you know? Right. Like, it's up to that offensive uh, head coach. But yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like also, like, in theory, you shouldn't be getting another top five pick. So this is what my, this is, you know, why
2: they might. Oh, I mean, yeah, hopefully.
1: <laughs> in theory, you know, you hire a new head coach with the, with the you know, thought that you won't be getting another top five pick. So that could be another reason that, you know, the emphasis is put on, well, if we want a quarterback, this is the time to get him because we're not picking in the top five ever again.
0: Yeah, yeah, that can set you up for 15 years. Yeah. Like you, you can't, I love Matt Ryan too. I yeah. love everything he's done. You can't sacrifice if, let's say, Justin Fields is there. Yeah. can sacrifice a decade plus for, you know, two or three years of not hurting Matt Ryan's feelings and you know again no slight against Matt Ryan he's greatest quarterback in franchise history without a, a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. The, the most successful player in franchise history, the most important player in franchise history, but you saw it if if the Indianapolis Colts could part with Peyton Manning of all players Mm -hmm. when Andrew Luck was on the board then you you absolutely do that and you know it's not to say that Matt Ryan Matt Ryan's not going anywhere next year or the year after right yeah you look at the cap it's not happening but you absolutely could uh bring in a backup someone like Justin Fields to learn behind Matt Ryan for a couple years um I don't think we'll we'll get Trevor Lawrence, the Jets. Not are just unless they so have the bad. first overall pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Jets are just so bad, but, um, yeah, you you saw it, same thing happen with the Packers this year. They took Jordan Love, yeah, uh, it, to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy about that. But you know, Aaron Rodgers is in his prime, and let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers looks a lot better than Matt Ryan does right now at this hmm. at this stage in their careers.
2: And the other thing is, it's a motivator, too, where Aaron Rodgers has given them a reason not to get rid of him. Like, he's playing his, you know, you see what he's done just in these first couple games. Like, he's playing great. People forget Jordan Love's even on the team. Um, so, I mean, there's no quarterback controversy there as long as Aaron Rodgers stays at this kind of level he's playing at where he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league still.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, let's see, who was it? Uh, Dave Dave Chaudo over at the Falcoholic gave us a, a handy stat here. Uh, in the history of the NFL, at least since the AFL-NFL merger in 1966, only one team has ever overcome an 0-4 start to make the playoffs, and that was the 1992 Chargers, who went 11-1 and in the final 12 to make the postseason. <laughs> so unless the falcons are going to be the second team to ever do something and they've been a team that has you know this year they've set some nfl records folks so this could be you know another record they're chasing maybe this could be a good record but uh in all reality like they're not making the playoffs like, and it would not. be
2: slightly easier too because of yes. the extra yeah. wild card spawn. right
1: um but like the nfc is not a weak conference so like you know, maybe there's maybe there there'll be a season where like an eight and eight team can sneak into that seventh seed because the, the conference is having a down year and there's just a lot of like top heavy teams and some bad teams mixed in as well, like a couple of thirteen and three teams and then a bunch of like nine and seven eight and eight teams, but um, they're not making it, so we can we can dispense with that. But um, it's just a rough time to be a Falcons fan. I feel for you guys too uh, to have to deal with this, um, but. We're going to get through it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to have some draft takes on deck here pretty soon. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll we'll start talking about, you know, head coaching candidates. We'll do some work on that. GM candidates. Um, you know, we'll hope that the team can at least look entertaining for us for the rest of the season. That would be nice. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll be on – we're officially on Dan Quinn watch. Like, I I think with the Texans firing Bill O'Brien, you know, now we've seen that. Maybe the seal is broken on firing head coaches this year. Um, I would argue that Dan Quinn has had a worse start than Bill O'Brien because of those two historic blown leads back-to-back, but I digress. Uh, Dan Quinn so far hasn't traded away a franchise icon for peanuts, so I guess Bill O'Brien had that on him. But um, It's a rough season, and we we understand that, and we're going to be here to, to get through it with you guys. Um, before we get out of here though It is late We appreciate all like 420 of you guys That, that tuned in tonight uh, Really for the late version of the show That's that's incredible We appreciate you guys sticking it out Before we do though want to give the co-hosts a chance To to speak their piece before we. I guess it's just two days until Wednesday So we probably, you know <laughs> We could probably make it But uh, as is tradition I'll go to uh, Evan Birchfield here first He's at Evan Birchfield on Twitter Evan, any final thoughts tonight? Anything else you want to plug?
2: Um, just check out all our stuff if you know anybody in the chats new to the Falcoholic um there's a lot of talented writers on our site even when we when the team's awful they're still pumping out good content um on Fridays I have my fantasy articles that come out and if you read it you knew to start Robert Tanyan, who was owned in like (laughs) clutch play I don't know 10% of leagues yeah and had three touchdowns tonight um But, you know, I'm not always right. But when I'm right, I like to talk about it. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah, just, you know, follow me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. And, you know, regardless, at least you know, well, I know there was some, like, non-Falcons fans in the watching. But um, to the Falcons fans who are watching and stuff, you know you're not alone. Everybody in the chat and us three share your pain. And um, win or lose, we're going to be here week in and week out. So, yeah. Thanks yeah. For watching.
1: yeah absolutely uh also with us tonight adnan ikic at say which way adnan any closing thoughts for tonight anything you want to plug
0: um uh, i also have a fantasy article i write weekly falcons fantasy sudden dud highlighting uh team's uh best fantasy play of the past week and uh you know worst one and you know that's About it, I write up a column every week saying, "What if the Falcons win or lose?" Which I made a joke that I'm contractually obligated to um, write a scenario where the Falcons win because they just never do it anymore. So you know that that's kind of fun sometimes. And I also want to say that Dan Quinn is the Adam Gase of defensive head coaches. So that's what I'm closing with.
2: All right, all right, fair enough. Does does Adam Gase call offensive plays though? I think
1: he does. I don't know. But I don't know. He's doing his job yeah. Sort of. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. At least he has a purpose. It's a really bad purpose, but at least he's yeah. doing something, he's even trying. though it's terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have. I don't really have an Adam Gates take, even uh, other than to say that Adam Gates like that was, that was a more egregious lack of firing than even the Dan Quinn, uh, rehiring, and not firing. So. Like Adam Gase is just a disaster. He's been he's been writing Peyton Manning's coattails for like five years. He's yep. done literally nothing and just profited off of that two year stretch with Peyton Manning for man i wish i just need to be in the building with peyton manning and then i feel like my career prospects will just infinitely improve just from being you know i get the aura the aura rubs
2: off on me remember the jets played against him twice a year and was like you know what we need this guy (laughs) you know what this is this is the guy that's gonna take us there you know um Sometimes that can work out. Like
1: that's how Quinn knew about Kyle Shannon. He was like, "Yeah, I remembered." He was always like the most difficult guy to scheme against. Yeah, and Dirk Cutter. Yeah, we just didn't realize that you know he was the, <laughs> he was the most difficult guy to scheme against because Dan Quinn didn't know what the mm-hmm. hell he was doing. So anyone maybe could have been the most difficult to scheme against. But uh, yeah, uh, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. I'm Kevin Knight at falcon Kevin on Twitter. I'll have some columns coming up um, soon. I guess tomorrow, probably. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Uh, see if I can wake up in the morning at this point, but, um, (laughs) yeah, uh, call Kevin on Twitter. There's plenty of content on the site. Dave and everyone else has been cranking stuff out this evening for the late shift. So if you're looking, if you desperately need some content to get you through tonight, uh, then you can definitely get some stuff there. We'll have stuff in the morning and all throughout the day. Uh, and the show is like two days away, I guess the, the Wednesday show. So, you know, I guess technically one day away, even, uh, so tomorrow, technically tomorrow. Yes. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, check us out then. That's Wednesday at 8:10 p.m. right here on the on the YouTubes. Um, that shows a lot of fun. Uh, and if you've got questions and things like that, think think those up and throw those in the chat for us on Wednesday. We will try to get to as many as we can because we're not talking about playoffs anymore, I tell you that. So, um, again, if you guys don't mind throwing likes at the channel, uh, likes, at, likes, at, likes at the video, rather. Uh, that helps other folks on YouTube find it. Uh, that's very helpful. So we appreciate that. And then uh, if you're not already subbed, we love those subs as well. Uh, kind of gives me an idea of how many folks are, are interested. And that also helps you because it will give you notifications for the show. Um, so we will talk to you guys, I guess, in just another day. Um, try to enjoy the rest of your evening. Sleep well. We will talk to you soon. And uh, I guess we'll see if any Dan Quinn news comes tomorrow. Because if it's going to happen before next week, it will happen tomorrow. So today, whatever. Whatever day it is, I'm not going to bother with this. It's
0: too late for that. All right. Have a great night, guys. We'll talk to you soon.